Hey, kia ora guys. Welcome to the Invisible Sensei Podcast. And we're going to have a strange one this morning. This is my fourth attempt to do the recording. I've got Broomy Sensei. Fortunately, he is bearing with me. He's going to stay with me uh, on my fourth attempt. We've been about 10 minutes into the conversation. And then I've realized, yeah, it's not working. So um, now he's just... <laughs> you have to excuse me because just before we started recording, he told me a very funny joke about snap kicks. Um, which I will not, which I will not share with you, um, but it's kind of throwing me a little bit off the pace. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me, Sensei, and throwing me totally off the game. Don't do this, So, um, so what we've what we've got is we've got Brumi Sensei assuming that he's a comedian uh, this morning. Uh, <laughs> And he's uh, joining me at night. It's nine o'clock over there. It's, gosh, it's 12.44. We've been trying for the last 44 minutes to do this broadcast. So I do apologize, guys. Um, thanks, thanks, seriously, thanks, since they've been sticking with me. Um, in the background, I've got this wonderful um, video compilation put together by one of uh, Broomy Sensei's students, Cheryl. And um, we'll figure a way that you can see that. It's a wonderful insight into a year, into what takes place over the life of a dojo over a year. And it's a wonderful um, look into how you teach sensei. So we've started this a couple of times. So I think what we'll do is, I guess I want to talk to you about the length and breadth of your training. Um, You incorporate um, sparring, you incorporate tugumi, uh, bunkai, grappling, um, all those certain things. And you were talking in the last attempt to get things going, about the debt that um, martial arts uh, owes to MMA and UFC and the Gracie and the Gracie. So maybe let's because that sounds quite contentious. Let's keep going with that. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I just think that we we do owe them a a debt of gratitude. I, I think I described it previously as a, they've slapped us in the face. Um, we're mar- marching up and down the halls, you know, kicking and punching and, and, and doing this sort of stuff. Um, and they've given us a bit of a reality check. Um, it's also forced us to have a look back at the practical base of our system. Like, we, we come from a system derived in Okinawa, which was a mixed martial art. It, um, it started with a base of Shima and Tagumi. There was, you know, Okinawan sumo. Um, we, we, we had a practice at uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, which became Judo. Um, you know, the Kung Fu influences was definitely there with the 36 families of Kumi. Um, and there were elements to our training from, from day dot, uh, especially groundwork elements to training. But um, the, the world has evolved and we've got to evolve with it. I agree. It's interesting. I mean, I'm coming from a judo and a jiu-jitsu background as well as karate. So I guess for me, um, groundwork has always played a role, but I certainly understand what you mean. It's, it's an interesting thing. You know, people have become a lot more aware of, you know, newaza and nagiwaza in terms of their karate. And you can see that a lot in your training. As we're talking, you've got a whole bunch of students doing uh, handstands very impressively. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm a bit, you know, like Chinan Sensei for me was a big influence, and he incorporated a lot of gymnastics and newaza into his karate. So 
oftentimes a resolution to a particular bunkai would be um, taking it to the ground and going jujigatama or amba or you know heel slices or whatever the English term is for them. Um, how do you balance when you're teaching students, right? And you've got all these different. You've got obviously everything's kata based, and how do you then bring newaza and nagiwaza, you know, throwing techniques and grappling techniques into your syllabus in a way that makes them comfortable? How how soon do you bring that stuff in, and how do you marry that into your karate? Uh, it's as far as we're concerned, it's kihon. It's basics. So you walk into the dojo, uh, you, you start learning your first kata, we start showing you the nagawaza and the newaza applications from day one. Um, it does, however, have an overarching um, reason for being. We are training uh, not to fight another martial artist in a contest. We are training for a self-protection point of view. Um, and the whole idea of those techniques is to enable us to return to our feet and escape an altercation or avoid it in the first place. Mm. Um, well, having said that, I mean, I do have to probably point something out to you, Sensei. I do note that you, you in some of the videos, guys, if you have a look at uh, the video I'm referring to, as you probably will, I definitely recommend checking out. The only thing that kind of would get you into a fight is those, is those incredibly short gi pants you're wearing, Sensei. Uh, I just want to say, don't feel like you always have to put them in the dryer, you know. Um, you can hang them on the line. Um, there's a little bit of shrinkage that goes on, and I think I think hats off to you for continuing to wear them in front of your students. They're actually not short. They're actually full length. It's just my legs are that long. <laughs> You're nine and a half feet tall, if I keep forgetting. It must, be, yeah. must, must make uh, kicking to the head really, really, um, really easy. Um... Now, just going back to the Nagiwaza, so when you, so with break falling, all that sort of stuff, that's part and parcel of your kihon? Oh, uh, absolutely. We, we, we take a bit of time doing a kemi. Um, we, we invite uh, other senseis to the dojo. Like, I've got a really good friend who is a, a judo sensei, and um, she'll come in and uh, share with us her kemi drills. Um, you know, just to, to break us out of our comfort zone and, and, and obviously uh, judo's and kemi is way more thorough than karate do's and kemi, but um, uh, it's got to be part of it. You know, you cannot guarantee you're going to stay on your feet. Mm. I'm finding, I'm actually, I've got to find it, I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe since they're not the judo part, that, but that you've got a friend. Um. <laughs> I pay her. <laughs> No, 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 no. I kid. These are the jokes, guys. These are the jokes. Um, no, I... So, you know, it's interesting. Let's just unpack that for a minute. You know, when you talk about how you approach your chemi, I mean, so you literally look around for different experts in different fields if you're, if, if you're not... If it's perhaps a, a part of your training or part of your experience that you need to work on. So who are the people that inspire and, and, and have influenced your karate? In general, uh, w without a doubt, there's a guy on the internet. He's called the Invisible Sensei. Um, <laughs> he's the reason why I am who I am today. Yeah, well, thank you, uh, Ian. That, that check is that check is on, in the mail, by the way. <laughs> Invisible Sensei, listen, listen to it. <laughs> no, uh, mate. Um, <clears throat> pretty much anyone you come into contact with, it's like you just get out there and train. Like, keep doing your your core art. 
but make friendships with like-minded people mm. and and learn from them. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now I have to run out and I've got to learn judo. Um, I, I love judo. Judo is absolutely fantastic. But what I do is I, I get inspiration from judo for the art I'm doing. Mm. 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 Um, it's uh, interesting you say that too because... Um, someone was talking to me about, I mean, I guess when people know you through different streams, like people who have met me through, um, made someone I have, who I've met through Jiu-Jitsu, and um, it's Nihon, Nihon Jiu-Jitsu, by the way, not uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, although you can't have Jiu-Jitsu without a bit of um, BJJ creeping in, it just has to. Um, uh, they go, oh, you know, you're a Jiu-Jitsu guy who does a bit of karate, or... When I when I do swordwork yado and things like that as part of the Myojin Soga, um, people go, "Oh, you're a sword guy who does a who does a bit of jujitsu." You know what I mean? It's interesting how people experience you. And and for me, I'm always I'm, you know my core art right through. As I look at myself, and we had this, you and I spoke about this a while ago. As as, yes. as a karate guy who can re, who can grapple a bit and use weapons a bit, you know. Um, but predominantly, all my you know, everything is my my field of study is karate. Anything else that I pick up is kind of hopefully informing that. So I I, I noticed with that since I just sort of leading into that, you've got um, you've got a real close friendship and and have spent some time with um, Chris Hasman Sensei. Now is he he's from Canada? Is that right, Sensei? Yeah, Chris Hansen uh, from Hansen, Karate Unity pardon me, pardon me. Um, in in Toronto, Canada. Uh, he, he's been a great, great friend. Once again, a very, very similar to yourself. We haven't actually met in person, mm. but you know, uh, he, he's been a great help behind the scenes. And I really like what he's doing. He's saying, look, <clears throat> just swallow your pride, walk into someone's gym, walk into someone's dojo, say good day, and train with them. Mm. It, your base art is going to be the better for it. Mm. Um, I just want to do a disclaimer too. I should have known it was Sensei uh, Chris Hansen. Not bloody Chris Hasselman. I don't know where my head was. Maybe I should have said Hasselhoff. Maybe, maybe that you know, maybe that would have been less stupid. Um, I, one of the things I like about it though is you know I can see when we trained together. We were doing Seisan the other day. You and I, through obviously through virtual means, as we're in the in the COVID lockdown here in New Zealand. Um, and your way of explaining it was unlike any way that I've ever heard before. Um, and I experienced that with uh, Misha and Nick, two of your students who came to New Zealand and came and hung out in the dojo for an afternoon with me and gave me the what's up, to be quite honest. Um, just the way that they articulated, the way that they looked at things, um, and just their, ge- their general attitude was, was, you know, and your students that I've met online as well seem to have this kind of really open-minded thing. And I'm worried that this open-mindedness that you've got going is going to spread and people are not going to see their senses as infallible gods. Um, did you, just on that, did you grow up did, in martial arts, did you kind of ever have that kind of relationship where, I know for me, I did, I had this relationship where, uh, for me, I guess I was looking for father figures, you know, but this thing where you put sensei on pedestal, did you ever have that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, <clears throat> I think all the sensei that I've had have tried to, um, to emulate their good traits but also it does get to a point when you when you grow up, when you get older, you realise, hang on a tick, they're only human. So I make it really sure that everyone knows that I'm just a person. Mm. I, I put my gi pants on exactly the same as anyone else. Um, 
you're there to impart knowledge, but just because you're a sensei doesn't mean that you can walk on water. Mm. Well, not, not, I mean, you know, I mean, it's an advanced technique and I shall, I should take time to teach you it, you know. Um, did you say walk on water or drink water? I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> um, you know, like, um, you see people like uh, Chris Henson, um, there's Jesse Enkamp, which is kind of, he's got a huge, a massive following and things like that. It, I kind of approach it like you've got to filter everything through critical analysis and your, com- your own common sense. Um, like I went through this period at one point where I thought anyone who did karate who didn't do it for the same reasons as me you know like I went through this whole combat effectiveness thing and it's about fighting thing where I kind of became a bit of a dick about it to be totally honest I was like you know I felt like if you weren't doing karate with combat in mind then you weren't doing karate and it took me taking a couple of weeks off and just visiting some mates of mine who who were instructors and just watching classes and just remembering that not everyone does it for the same reason that we do. Like, in terms of where you live, Sensei, you're quite, you're, you're in Cairns, which for people in, listening in other countries is a very, very hot climate. It's um, very tropical. Um, what what do you note about, you know, like say, let's take the last two years and you have students who transition through, who come in, they come for a couple of lessons and bugger off, then you've got students who stay. Why do you think this? What do you think students stay, and what's the sort of trends that you note? Um, I think what we've got to realise is that if you're actually training, you know, um, to the best of your ability, that what we do is not something that everyone can do. Like the um, the commitment is off the Richter scale to, to to actually sign up to something and go, yeah, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. That's not for everyone. Um, you know, when you look at kids, most parents, you know, every parent wants their kid to learn some sort of martial art. They think every martial art is good for self-defense. They don't care whether it's for one month or two years. They think that's enough. Mm. Um, we're not going to change that perception. Mm. The, the thing is, though, we do get the occasional person that walks in with the right mindset and uh, we try and make it as easy as possible to commit to training. We train hard, we train soft, very much go-to, um, and, and just try and make it easy for people if they want to commit to it for the rest mm. of their life. Mm. Now, I should say one of the things that me and PJ, uh, Sensei, kind of connect on is we're both independent dojo. And it's funny, you know, the whole point of independence is, it's an interesting one too, because I'm, I'm re-examining that. I know for a long time, I was kind of saw myself as an independent uh, dojo, and kind of right, I'm independent dojo, but this is the way that Gorjuru was taught. Um, it is this, it is this, it is this. And I was basically teaching it exactly the way that I've been taught um, and not take, and, and it took me a long time to realize, actually, I don't actually have to answer to anyone. Um, and by that, I mean, I, it's, um, how do I put that? I, I don't mean that I just had a free hand. I was free to experiment and to kind of create um, a style of teaching and a style of practice that I wished that I'd had, but hadn't, didn't. It's not the way I'm teaching my students. Is certainly not the way that I learnt. Um, and I can't say that it's always gone, you know, completely to plan. But I think um, some senior sensei of mine who were involved in quite a large international 
uh, karate organizations did say, oh, you know, you're so lucky you can train with anyone you like. But I don't know why you, why you wouldn't want to train with anyone you like, not why you couldn't train with anyone you like um, being in a big organization. Um, what for you are the um, upsides and maybe a few of the downsides in terms of um, being, in, being a so-called independent uh, dojo? Well, back to your original comment of uh, that large organisation, I think we, we've spoken before that I was actually um, given an opportunity to join exactly the same organisation many years ago um, to, to be, join that Goju uh, organisation and, and I chose not to for the same reasons. Um, I think when you're doing your own thing, you get that stigma that uh, clearly you must be a McDojo you, you, your rank is made up, you don't have lineage, you're not teaching the real karate. Um, and, and it's so hard to get past that stigma. And it's not until actually people come to meet you and actually train with you that they go, oh, hang on a tick. Uh, perhaps perhaps what I thought is not 100% correct. Um, look, if people don't want to train with us, well, that's fine. Uh, we're, we're not in a, 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 a popularity contest. Uh, you just need to to go and have a look for yourself. You can decide whether training's any good or not. Mm. Uh, just use your common sense. Yeah, which is a big ask for a lot of people. <laughs> um, yeah, it should be called uncommon sense. Yeah, uncommon sense, yes. It's, oh, I'm going to start using that. I'm going to totally steal that, by the way, and make uh, it my own problem. wisdom. A trademarked. It's trademarked. You heard it. It's not It's not PJ yeah. Sensei, it's me. Uh, you know, uh, uncommon sense. Trademark, invisible sensei. Um, but that's so true, you know, it's interesting with large organisations, there are, there are, at times there's been, there's been opportunities where I've gone, oh man, if I join that organisation, I'm going to have access to this and that and this and that, but what's been, what's held me back is it's very prescriptive in that who you can train with and who you can't train with and it's kind of like, you know, it turns into sort of like um, <laughs> this weird, I'm going to compare it to sort of some religious war. You know, your doctrine doesn't allow you to talk to someone who's not the same doctrine as you. Um, it's like mine, my, my make, my, mine, <laughs> my make-believe friend is tougher than your make-believe friend, and you know, lineage is always an interesting one that people throw out. I think that, to be honest, if you're talking about cultural appropriation. Sometimes people get sort of stuck on lineage to the point where that's all that becomes important. Um, I think lineage is I think lineage is an important thing, but I think also it can people can get stuck on it to the point where they're not looking at the quality of the person's karate. Um, they're not looking at the quality of the person's contribution or their students. You know, like I, I've, I did a podcast a while back and I was speaking to um, Josh, uh, Sensei Josh Scanlon, and you know he was at something, and someone rocks rocked straight up to him and says before they even said hello, what's your lineage? That is such a strange. For me, that is such a strange question because surely you'd want to see the quality of people's karate and have a conversation. You can tell a lot about people um, when they're in conversation with you. You know whether they know the what's up. Um, it just it seems that people just kind of look. If I'm not, it's like oh gosh, this is going to this is getting contentious. But you know people go oh if I'm not going back to Okinawa every year and some Okinawan or Japanese sensei hasn't sort of nodded and said that's the way then what I'm doing is no good. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, looking for validation. And sometimes I think that goes against common sense. I mean, why not have faith in what you do, you know? Absolutely. Look, uh, in the, the um, 
number of times people have actually tried to punch me in the head, choke me, throw me. I'm not talking in the dojo. Yeah. I'm talking in real life. Yeah. Not one person has asked for my lineage, my background. <laughs> they couldn't care less. Mm. Um, I think you, you do the art more service if you're training in a way that our masters wanted you to train rather mm. than you're spruiking their name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just just to that, I mean, one of you know, there's been times when sort of I know stuff that I've attempted to do or been doing, where you know, and as we know on a, on social media, you know, everyone's got a everyone's got an opinion, um, and not all of that's always good. Or I, I can handle if someone's going to have a critique and, and have a, an actual conversation or discussion. We don't have to believe. Sensei, can I just stop you there? Sure. People are entitled to their wrong opinion. <laughs> so true. People are entitled to their wrong opinion. But, you know, there's a couple of times when I've actually, to be totally honest, I says, look, you know, people have really bagged and it's kind of gotten really under my skin and, that, and that's on me. Well, I've said, look, um, here's my address. Here's the car park. Meet me and we'll see if I can do, you know, like it's, it is really egotistical and it's not Buddha, but there's just been times when I'm going, look, you've got so much to say. You've never trained with me. You've never seen me do anything. Yeah. I mean, I do a few videos and things like that, and people have, you know, you know, the thing is with doing videos, you can make yourself look amazing. Um, but also, it just sort of seems that people are so willing to be fearful of what they don't understand, you know. And, yeah, and so, so it's so, so easy to criticise. It's easier to criticise than it is to create. Yeah. So New Zealand's like Australia. If you're a tall poppy, you'll get cut down. That's yeah. just what people are doing. Yeah, and, and it's... It's a shame too because you know we miss so many wonderful opportunities to really train with each other, to enjoy and to be informed by each other's experience. I, I mean, I know for me with um, you know with I just I think sometimes people get so caught up in their own bullshit in terms of hype, in terms of we're the most traditional, we're the biggest, we're the best, we're the this, we're the that, we're the strongest, we're the oldest um, that they kind of lose focus on what this whole thing's about from from what I've been able to research and from different sensei that have talked to me Okinawan and Western that if, when a sensei got to a certain point and if they went strong on a cut they'd send you to another sensei say, oh you're yeah, that guy they go right okay so to Adi you're not you know I'd go what well, oh look my sanction's not the strongest PJ Sensei, so go train with that Sensei and he will make sure you have a strong kappa. And in fact... Absolutely. You know? How quick we forget. Mm. And so... Yeah, it, so uh, look, we had... Um, Chris Hansen was coming over to do a seminar here in August. Obviously, that's all off now. But mm. um, we contacted about six other karate dojos in Cairns. Mm. So local dojos. Extended them uh, an invitation. Come train with us. You know, show us what you do. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, we got a response from one dojo mm. to say, look, officially we can't say yes, but we'll let our students know. Um, the, the other dojos, the other dojos, just just crickets, just absolute silence. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the drama is, but mm. it, that's just how karate has gone. It's so sad. Mm. And I think it's kind of, it's with personal politics, and I do believe it's personal politics. I think you take... You know, like, um, you take personal responsibility for the content of your training and the way in which you approach that. And I think 
when you go to a place, you know, where they're doing it differently from you, and in some ways there's a, there's a, there's a certain amount of freedom. Like I remember a uh, um, really strong Dojo came over to watch one of, to participate in one of our gradings. Um, it was a, I believe it was a Shodan grading, might have been a Nidan grading, anyway. Um, mm. After the basics and kata and kihon and oyo and all that sort of stuff, we do um, a fair amount of sparring. Now, for us, we don't wear protective gear um, unless you're protecting an injury. And I don't mean that in that, you know, we're going out there to smash each other and we're so tough we don't need protective gear. But what we rely on is each other's control. So we don't throw, we, we, we adapt. I encourage my students to adapt to the person they're in front of. Um, we, you know, we have grappling. We know we do grappling as part of our our system. So when it goes, you know, sometimes when you're sparring with somebody and someone takes you to the ground, that's the start of it, not the end of it. Um, this other style, these other guys were just sort of so outside their comfort zone and so taken aback by that we weren't wearing protective gear that they wouldn't participate in the sparring. And I said, look, you're more than welcome to wear your um, protective gear and, you know, but they were just kind of, the idea of it was just kind of really foreign. And um, <laughs> I suppose they view us a, l- a little bit savage, as, as savages. Yeah, we, we don't wear protective equipment other than, than gloves on our hands and, mm. and the gloves we wear are MMA gloves. Mm. Um, but you, you've got to work with your uke and mm. we find the same thing when we do get the rare occasion where someone comes in from a from a dojo that hasn't trained like us. Um, what we try and do to set them at ease is we, we practice our shimmy. We, mm. we, we go, okay, I'm, I'm going to stand here, kick and punch as hard as you can. Mm. I will receive it. Mm. Now, good, you've got that out of your system. You've noticed that I'm not dead. Mm. You haven't really badly hurt me. Now let's get some training uh, happening. Mm. And, and um, as you know, as you're saying that, I'm literally as you're saying that, I'm watching um, uh, JR and some of the other stru- students doing exactly that on the video. Um, yeah, I, I think that there is a freedom to being an. I don't like we. You and I have to come up with a better word for independent. I think independent is, has has over, has some really negative overtones. <laughs> Maybe we can. Rogue Dojo. Maybe we should be Rogue Dojo. Uh, well, if you look at Samurai actually being servant, mm. so you're not serving anyone, so essentially you're a Ronin. Oof, a wave man. I like that. I, I like that. Actually, <laughs> one of my good mates um, who's been on the podcast, Jesse Poita, um, he's got the Ronin Academy um, here in New Zealand, mm. BJJ and yeah, MMA. Perhaps you can't go down that path then. No. He's got that trademarked. No, he's got a trademark, you know. But, I mean, and, and isn't he the coolest guy alive? Yes, he, he actually, actually, yeah, he he's yeah, got a wonderful yeah. philosophy to life. He, his whole yeah. thing is uh, like, as you heard, is uh, yeah, I want to be the coolest guy I know, and I think it's so choice. I mean, that's the same thing for me. I, I we did a, our first virtual lesson yesterday with my students, and it was so cool. It was so strange doing it the way that we did, it, and I know that you've been doing some. Um, and I just wanted to make it, it was it was really funny. It was quite um, confronting watching students having to watch myself. For the whole session, it was the strangest thing. I'm going, you poor students, you have to sit here and watch this guy do this entire. <laughs> it was so strange. Um, how is your virtual life? How is your virtual karate going, by the way? Um, mate, it's going pretty well. I actually did a, a session the other morning. Got up early for one of Chris Hansen's uh, classes mm. and and did that. That was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, 
there's a whole heap of people getting together and just you, you can either do Zoom or you can do it across Facebook if you only got a small group. Mm. Uh, it's going quite well. I, I just wanted to let you know that before we actually closed up uh, training officially because of what's going on in the world, um, we thought we'd test a few things. So we, we implemented a safety hug from three metres away. Um, and then uh, what, one of the other things is uh, your, your, your shimiwaza, your, your, your choking techniques. Mm. I, um, I tried a force hug on one of my students and he fell to ground. So I'm pretty impressed that uh, I have now developed that skill. <laughs> well, you're throwing chi balls. I mean, you should also say this. As, as we're saying this, um, PJ Sensei is a massive um, Star Wars nerd, as am I. I'm doing this podcast <laughs> literally with my Mandalorian, my Boba Fitch, my Boba Fitch shirt on. Um, so yeah, we geeks. So that was a Star Wars refer- reference for those of you who had girlfriends and, did, and played sport growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, J- JR's young fella Jade and um, knew what was up straight away. As soon as I extended my hand, he knew he was being force choked. He went to ground, he went unconscious. It was great, it was well done. 